This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson Burns, writer and protagonist of Heroin Training. Today I am live from camp, from Cabin 7 at Camp GLA, and joining me also live from Los Angeles is my co-host. Give it up for actress and activist Grace Gordon. Hello, everyone. Everyone's <laughs> cheering. <laughs> Everyone's cheering. We can hear you. We can in our souls. <laughs> I love how quiet our first live show is. It's very us. Yeah, we've been looking forward to doing a live show for so long. And I love that the first one is virtual. <laughs> so there's not really an audience to be nervous in front of. And yet... <laughs> but we feel all of you here with we us. Really we really do. do. I feel so much more nervous than I normally would in the same exact position in my home. But we have had the honor of being described as campfire-esque in our discussions in the, on the art life. So it it feels very suitable to bring this to a virtual camp at GLA. And it feels right that our first live show is at GLA. Yes, which brings me to our introduction, which is to, to anyone who's new to the art life, welcome, welcome everyone. What we do here is we focus on process over product. And as a wise woman a year ago in Philadelphia once told me, you were focusing, it was Grace, you were focusing (laughs) on living an art life rather than pursuing art-related goals. We were having this conversation in Philadelphia and that phrasing has really stuck with me as we've been creating the show every week and also as I've been living my art life every day. So we've covered the origin of where this idea came from. And For those who, who weren't there, uh, GLA was, it was in Philadelphia last year, so we came up with the whole concept there. <laughs> yes, and what, what I, I really want to celebrate today especially is that is that the this show couldn't have existed without the Granger Leadership Academy. It couldn't have existed without the Harry Potter Alliance doing all of the great work that they do, and we wouldn't have met without them. And it also couldn't have existed without the amazing trainings and workshops that we attended over years at this conference. And it, it also couldn't have existed without are taking time a year ago to go for a walk and take a pause and reflect on how far we'd come since we'd seen each other at GLA the year before and where we were in the present moment in our trainings at GLA last year. So what we want to give you with this show, this hour, is to give you that moment of pause to reflect on all of the information that you've been you've been uh, enjoying and, and eating up and processing. And um, we're going to be taking this moment as a break from our screens and a pause to reflect. And we've chosen a, a topic for that that seems especially relevant to a virtual conference. So Grace, why digital boundaries? So we chose this topic. We chose the topic of digital boundaries for today's episode. And by the way, everyone, as we've said, this is a live episode. This will be going up on our podcast feed. So just 
be aware of that. Um, we chose this topic of digital boundaries because this year, more than ever, I mean, even at GLA, so much of our lives and activist work are taking place online. And it's more important than ever to set digital boundaries. Um, we have to preserve our energy to prioritize taking meaningful action and creating our best work. I think so many of us are doing all that we can online and engaging with these social media platforms and consuming content. And we uh, are exhausting ourselves. We're, you know, many people are experiencing digital burnout. So we decided that our topic for today would be talking about setting digital boundaries to prioritize our most meaningful work. And we decided to start with the environment that we're suggesting for your listening pleasure. So we are off camera on purpose to allow you to dim your screen and tune in to this radio show. So do whatever you need to do to get comfortable in the physical space that you're occupying, wherever in the world, whatever time zone you're in. And at the end of this episode, we're going to have a short reflection where you'll have a chance to process and take some action steps in your own art lives. We always ask, we always begin this show, The Art Life, by asking, how is your art life? So, Grace, how is your art life? Well, my art life is so connected. I was really nervous about this weekend because I love GLA and I love in-person conferences. I'm such an extrovert and um, I... I, you know, this year has been hard, of course, for all of us, but it's been hard because I haven't had that in-person connection that I, that I love so much, but I'm just delighted that so far, I mean, GLA has been wonderful. Seeing people, even through video, has been so restorative. Seeing uh, friends that I've gone to this conference with for so long, but also being introduced to new presenters, new teachers. Like, I, I feel so much more energized than I was expecting to. I was having so much anxiety about the virtual aspect of this conference draining me. But instead, I'm delighted to say that I feel really connected to everyone and it's just so good to see people's faces or hear their voices in this case, including yours, Sandra. Um, so I just, I, I'm really glad that GLA is happening this year and I'm so impressed with the organizers for completely adjusting and making the whole thing go online. I think we all really needed this, so I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Sandra, how is your art life? My art life has been has been about navigating adjustment. There, There is an art to attending any conference, whether it's in person, attending a conference in your own way to accommodate your own needs. And I'm an introvert. So a lot of that has to do with deciding how much I'm going to show up to in person. And with the, the virtual aspect, there's that's a whole different thing. And then I feel like there's also that third category of of a virtual version of what we're used to being in person. And I want to acknowledge that just that shift can be disconcerting. It can be frustrating because I just want to be there with everybody sometimes. And I, I tried to set up my space where as it, as close to emulating the conference as I could, I, I wore my, my red flowy Gryffindor top that I always wear to GLA and tried to, to, sit at my desk as if I were 
attending a panel in person. And actually, I realized that when I let go of trying to imagine what this is usually like and trying to emulate the memories from before, when I let go of comparison and let myself enjoy my reality, I had a much better time. And so I changed into my pajamas and I lay down on the sofa and I I colored with magic markers that would be too noisy to bring in person. That would be really distracting to the speaker. But I've just been in- incredible. <laughs> this is the art life. I am just enjoying those those little things that I couldn't have done in person. And uh, and so my art life is adjusting to the present. I love it. I think we all are, all those that are here, but also even, you know, our listeners who will be listening to this episode who aren't GLA attendees will understand. I mean, the, the whole world has gone virtual this year. So speaking of which, when the whole world has gone virtual, how do we set digital boundaries without becoming disconnected? That is what the topic is today. So we have both been on this extreme learning curve. I mean, this is this is something we're both so passionate about, but it's become more important than ever this year. And do you want to start with your recent decision to leave social media? I'd love to to just start with the big decision. Sure. It it is relevant is really relevant to this very panel today, this very show today live at GLA because that really informed my decision to leave where I've been I've been really trying to make social media work for me and I've done a lot of creative things to 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 make those spaces my own in particular Instagram where I started to publish my essays directly onto the platform as a way of like, okay, bring more of my art into the platform. And I think I really did it as much as I could. And I just wasn't feeling as inspired as I could in those spaces. And I really just felt myself wanting to leave. And I I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, I'm going to just get through GLA and get through my fringe of color writing job that I have coming up in August. And then in September, I'm going to see about leaving social media. And the fact that we're doing this show at GLA about digital boundaries made me think twice about waiting. And I thought maybe what would be more valuable is if I granted myself what I really want now. And then I can, it's been a week now, and I can come back and and report on on what that's been like. So I want to start by asking, like, has there been a time where something like Instagram or Twitter, these platforms that you've decided to leave, has there been a time where they have felt fulfilling, where you have really loved using them? And has that changed? Or have you never felt uh, nourished, felt like you're enjoying them? Have you never felt like they really benefit you? It always felt like a requirement. I literally downloaded Instagram at a blogging workshop when my mentors told us all, this is the big thing right now. You can't run a successful blog without it. And so from the beginning, Instagram for me was about 
finding a way to make it work as a component of my art. And there are times that I very much I very much enjoyed it, and I've learned a lot about it, and it's reignited my my love of photography, and it's it's led to some creative workarounds and more photos of handwritten things. So it's it's good things have come out of it, but it's never been my favorite. My my goal has always been to print out my essays and put stamps on them and live in a remote cottage with no Wi-Fi. <laughs> so Instagram is not part of the vision for me. And I just realized that I don't have to settle for something that is good when I know that if I'm creative enough, I can find a workaround that is great or a perfect fit. Were you scared to to announce that you're leaving. So for for people who are new to our show or new to Zandra's work, I mean you you do run an online business. So were you afraid to like leave these platforms? Are you afraid of like financial consequences or just audience leaving you? You know, I I did an assessment of all the places that I'm showing up online. I have my website Heroin Training which has recently been Customed, custom designed to do exactly what I need it to do. I have a newsletter. I have this podcast. I have another podcast. What's your favorite part? I listed all these places that I'm showing up and realized that I got to seven before social media even became part of the picture. And since I'm talking to... Magic number seven. <laughs> magic number seven. But but since we're talking to to Harry Potter fans here... We all know that everyone thought that Tom Riddle was crazy for splitting his soul into seven. <laughs> and I, I really sat with myself and was like, do I want to be taking cues from Tom Riddle? <laughs> I, I realized I can... Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. My mind is blown. Because that's really what I was doing since I was, I was... I was splitting all of my energy out into all these different outlets. And I realized... Actually, if I drop the social media, I can be more present in all of these other areas. And that will lead to more meaningful, intentional connection. So what's been the theme of that, especially with the influx of everybody online and with the digital aspects of the Black Lives Matter movement, protests online, a lot of that has been has gotten me thinking about the reactive way that we process things together online and that and the the pressure to show up immediately and how actually by taking a step back and taking a little bit longer to process i can have something more meaningful to say but in a slower fashion yeah and i think even those of us who like to like run right into the fight are finding that social media is not always the best place to do that. You know, for some people, even if they, they like to lead the charge, it, it's better done at a protest or um, just, you know, in a, in a space where it's not just like engaging with trolls online. I know I've been dealing with a lot of online bullying and harassment in the past few months because of all of the uh, activist work I do. And it, it, I think many of us 
you know, even the most extroverted or connected or like wanting to wanting to like react and jump in are realizing that that social media still might not be the place for it. And I, I want to recognize that it, it is a, a useful tool for some things and that I imagine there are people listening who have really, really important reasons for being in those spaces. But I also want to be an example that with the kind of work that I do, I'm an essayist and I publish not in, um, I, I'm not good at Twitter. <laughs> I will like draft a tweet and save it and then post it the day after. And I realized, you know what, this, this really doesn't work for me. So I can focus better on the way that I create and on creating something that is more certain of what I have to say when I, I don't have that distraction. So in this week that you have had off of social media, how have you felt? What have you created? Like, what has your your uh, energy level been? So I wrote a list of things that I've done in the week since leaving social media. It was a very like, long and juicy and substantial list. And then I checked the date and realized it hadn't been a week. It had been two days. <laughs> and so one thing that is significant is that time expanded and I just, I felt like my mind was clearer and my attention was more focused. And I, when I was online, I'd saved all of these resources of, of articles to read, to be informed. And I actually found myself reading those articles, like sitting down and reading them in one go without skimming or rushing myself, but letting myself really take the time. And it feels like a long time, but it's not compared to how long I was scrolling and being shown so many different messages per minute that I was really able to process what I was looking at. And have you had any ideas come up with all of this like free mental space you have? So many. I have like the next three essays planned. <laughs> so stay tuned. Incredible. Stay tuned. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. But what about you, Grace? Because you've been you've been out in the fray uh, <laughs> of social media still. How do you, as somebody who has chosen to use it, how do you decide where to draw the line? Because that's what I was finding challenging is I kept telling myself, I, well, I can pare it down. I can unfollow a bunch of people. I can set timers on my phone. And, and for me, it was easier to opt out entirely. But what boundaries do you set that keep your time on in those spaces to be constructive? It's, it's such an amazing opportunity this year to fine tune all of this because to fine tune my own boundaries online. Um, I will say, just to start, you know, I, I have had a lot of benefits of Twitter and Instagram and even Facebook. Um, I'm an actor and an activist, and those are like the things I do. Uh, I guess I also model as like, I joke, my day job. But um, because of those things, I have a, because of being a, a performer and being in a very, um, working in Hollywood, being my face and my my brand needing to be very visible as part of my job or you know right this is another example of like you you hear these things and you can decide for yourself but I do uh, benefit from use of social media whether it's connecting to 
potential collaborators, which has happened quite a few times, or getting um, uh, an audience and, and patrons for my Patreon. All of these things are reasons that I, I want to stay on social media. There has been enough benefit that I don't want to cut the cord. But, um, but navigating social boundaries has been incredibly difficult over the years. It has been, uh, it's been a big, like, point of anxiety for me. Um, when the, when the protest started a number of weeks ago, uh, for Black Lives Matter, I, I got this surge of energy because, um, I felt for the f for the first time in, in months like I could actually be like useful to people because um, the entertainment industry is like totally shut down and I've been doing my own creation and podcasting like from home. But for the first time, I felt like I could really be useful because I had a lot of information that I could share from having been involved with that organization for years. Um, I felt like you know, I could help certain friends catch up and uh, provide them resources. And so I was so energized and, you know, I, leading into the fight, as we, I was saying earlier, um, talking to, I was sharing resources with friends through Instagram and tweeting and retweeting. And um, all of a sudden, I just burnt out. And that like surge of energy ended up depleting me completely um the difference being and i'm seeing people in our chat being like you know a lot of people are isolating and, and uh not able to go to protests and that's totally fine i'm not telling people to show up if you can't for whatever reasons you have that is totally understandable we're living in a pandemic but i am someone who chose to go to protests uh in la and um it was, it was so much more nourishing and more energizing to do that, to, to show up in person or to feed my friends who have, you know, been protesting every day to provide them rides and food and, and be there with them. Um, it was not depleting to do that. But those couple of weeks where I was spending so much more time online than I normally do... Um, I started to burn out and I realized that part of the problem was that I normally assert my boundaries very clearly that I am not super available to chat online. Uh, I do not benefit from like catching up over text message or Instagram DMs. Um, that is very draining for me, even with my closest friends. I find myself really exhausted by like, hey, how are you? And and what's going on in your life? For whatever reason, text-based communication uh, drains me. And I am normally good at telling people this. Um, but because I had suddenly made myself so much more available and was sharing resources like 24-7 nearly and sending people links and education materials, I presented myself as a lot more open and available than I really am comfortable being. And a lot of people, uh, I think a lot of people feel this way. So all of a sudden my energy is burning out. And part of the reason is that I'm getting so many more messages. 
I'm, I had made myself more available than I am. And then I felt so obligated to like maintain the level of communication that I had presented I was available for. Um, and I, I had to take a step back and go, why am I so drained? And I realized that for me, the use of Twitter or um, Instagram or even like it, often text messages, for me, the way that they are useful is a tool for just exchanging information. Even with just like my friendships, I am totally comfortable uh, sharing a meme you know, or sharing a, an education resource or saying like, hey, this article made me think of you. Um, and I and I like getting those kinds of notes from others, but I do not like using it as a way of catching up or a way of having like meaningful conversation. And so I was feeling so flooded by people wanting to uh, get into deep talks over Instagram DMs and I finally realized that, oh right, because I hate doing this. So I started just saying to my friends, I said, I am not available to catch up on DMs or texts. I, I really just don't get anything out of communicating that way. I, I have clearly said to people, I use these as tools for exchanging information, like sharing a link or sharing an article, um, sharing a meme. But if you want to catch up, it needs to be over a phone call or eventually someday in person. And the thing is, I was so nervous to say this to people because I'm like, oh my gosh, I sound so controlling or I said, you know, I'm being a diva by telling people they have to communicate in this one way. But the opposite is, the outcome was the opposite. People have been so receptive and so respectful to this request. And I've ended up having like much deeper connection with my friends because I have made the time to talk to them on the phone. And my, I have, you know, friendships with people in Philly or New York across the country who I've had such more connected, productive talks, whether it's about art or just catching up about life or talking about activism, our relationships have strengthened so much even in the past two months because I told people how to communicate with me, because I set this digital boundary. And people have thanked me too. Thank you for telling me. Thank you for setting this boundary. Um, and, you know, even even people on Instagram saying, thank you for telling me. I'm so glad that you're setting these boundaries. I can't wait to listen to your episode about this. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I had someone say that. Um, and I, I think we all need it, though. You know, I think I've taken, a, taken the time to do some self-assessment and figure out exactly how I need to communicate to, to preserve my energy. But I'm not the only one who feels this way. I've had so many people reach out and basically say that they're burnt out or say that they made themselves too available online in the past few months. Um, so I think that it's really important that we all assess what feels good and what energizes us. Okay, so you make boundaries sound so dreamy. So thank you for <laughs> inspiring that in by your example 
which I really I really think that's what you're doing because when you set your boundaries, you're making it okay for somebody else to communicate their boundaries too and realize that's a lot easier for all of us because we all have different social needs. We all have different energy levels. And if we are assertive about what we each need as an individual, then we can better arrange how to connect with each other. It's as simple as that. And I really love how you laid out this script just now of of telling us the words that you use to communicate this to people. I especially love information sharing as a term because I think that really that really resonates and that, that describes what textual communication should be for. Yeah, and I think like if you are feeling nervous about saying setting these boundaries with friends or even colleagues, you know, having a script is really helpful. Um, for me, I like to tell people how they're right like saying, hey, it's really good to hear from you. And then I like to provide them with instructions. Like, hey, it's really good to hear from you. I don't use this. I don't use Instagram DMs to catch up. Uh, I really just use it to share information. I only am fulfilled by speaking on the phone or meeting up in person. Would you like to schedule a phone call? Like that's three or four sentences. And it, it doesn't, you know, I'm not apologizing for setting a boundary. I'm not, um, I'm not making people feel like it's a personal attack either. I'm being very clear that like this is how I communicate, and just you know, it, it's also I want to just like say it's been so helpful to have the other side of that conversation, the people I've said this to, be so receptive. And I think it's important for all of us as we get more clear on what our boundaries are, whether it's digitally or just in our lives, in whatever area you need them, knowing how good it feels when someone receives them and wanting to be that person for your friends, wanting to be that person who says, thank you so much for telling me, I'm, you know, I'm proud of you for setting boundaries. I think a lot of, especially people who like attend GLA, who are givers, you know, who, who want to connect and do good in the world. So often we can also be people who have difficulty setting boundaries and who have difficulty preserving our energy. And so, you know, the other side of this is when you see your friends advocating for their set for themselves and setting boundaries around their energy or time or communication style. Um, you can be the person who encourages them and thanks them and approves of it so that they continue to do so. I'm so grateful that my friends have been doing that. I had a moment where I got really excited when I was I was scheduling a phone call with a local friend and I suggested a time and she replied to me and said, well, actually, I have some Skype rules and laid out her her boundaries. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have rules too. And we got really excited that we're usually the first person communicating to, to one of our friends that this is the case. But we were so excited to like lay out our rules and cross check them and find somewhere to meet in the middle. And, and of course we did. So boundaries are fun. And we're going to have a, a journaling session in a few minutes where you can consider what digital boundary you can set. But before we get into that, Grace, are there any other examples of digital boundaries in your life that have served you really well? Yeah, I do want to mention one that 
I had I had a, a guy I was dating last year really um, help me with one um, because I uh, because I am a model. I receive a lot of like creepy messages and comments on my social media. Um, I mean, we all do. That's nothing to do with being model, being a model. But I just mean like you know, I have a very public persona, and my work in- uses my body a lot. And unfortunately, that means I get a lot of attention that is unwanted or a lot of comments that make me uncomfortable. And so because of this last year, I I put on my Instagram bio, I said, uh, DMs for paid work only. Because unfortunately, I can't just say no DMs. Um, you know, yet again, this is complicated because I do make professional connections or I I frequently book work through Instagram, through you know, I, I receive gigs through people seeing basically what is my online portfolio on Instagram and reaching out that way. So I, I don't want to write no DMs or I don't check them because that's not true. So I put DMs for paid work only. And, and then I would be frustrated all the time. Every month I like I get frustrated and I post some story that is like, just a reminder, it says this, please stop sending me messages, please, because I, I, I was, I get very anxious about this all the time, you know, I'm so frustrated that people aren't respecting my boundaries and, and, you know, I'm, I'm venting about this to, to this guy and, and in, I'm basically, what you know, the, the conclusion is I'm stressed because I still feel obligated. I still feel obligated to respond to people, to like be a, you know, to like manage my fan base basically, or be a like, you know, nice girl. Um, Even though I already set the boundary that I I don't respond to messages that are not about paid work. And I realize like this point of anxiety actually at this point is about a feeling of obligation that I've already said I do not want. And so Juan, he said, um, he said, you already put the boundary in your bio. You don't need to reassert it all the time. You don't need to reassert it every month. You don't need to feel obligated to people. It says that clearly on your page. And I was like, oh, I'm resenting people for not respecting a boundary I've set. And somehow I'm feeling obligated to to tell them or, you know, to like announce this. Uh, I actually don't have to do that. The boundary has been set. And I can remind people every once in a while if, if it feels needed, because not everyone's looking at my Instagram bio. You know what I mean? Like, uh, not everyone's doing that detailed research. I can reassert it every now and then in like an Instagram story. But, um, but the realization that I already set the boundary I don't need to reassert it or feel obligated to accommodate people beyond something I've clearly stated was huge for me. Like, it's that easy. I don't owe anyone anything when I've already told them how to communicate. At that point, it it sounds like it becomes about the internal validation of what you've already said, that what you've already said should be listened to. Yeah, and we did just receive a, a comment in the chat, which um, I'm seeing out of the corner of my eye. And uh, Mari Grace said um, that she gets a lot of DMs from on her food Instagram 
from brands asking her to do free work and it's exhausting. And I just want to comment on that because that's a great example. I also receive a lot of inquiries about unpaid photo shoots or unpaid acting gigs. And so that word paid was like really important for me to put in. And I think that, you know, a lot of people listening to this are are, um, are artists or online creators or, uh, you know, influencers of some kind, even activists who are being flooded with requests to do free work. So the, uh, the idea to put paid work only is is so freeing and validating. Like, this is your job. People are going to ask you to do collabs or work for free. And you can just say, like, no, it says in my bio I only do paid work. Thanks, though. You know? Or you don't um, even Yeah, that have one to is reply. huge. Yeah, this is... Or you don't even have to reply. And thank you for saying that. Yeah, you can still hear me, you know, like wanting to explain it to people. Oh, um, I but you're right. with this, too. I can't escape it. I get it in emails too even though I've left and I I always feel like oh I should really have a, a form so I can like prepare a polite reply to this and 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 send it out when it's it's needed but really it's uh what's more important than how I communicate that to the other person is really being sure within myself where the line is and I suppose that is a digital boundary as well as an art and business boundary is to know like this is where my time is going whether it's going into creating my art or being informed or connecting with people just getting really clear on what each of those things ideally looks like and usually it doesn't come in the form of accepting a free promo for a product I'm not interested in. So it's really clear. It's good to know where the line is. And another thing I just want to mention, because, you know, whether you're a professional artist or just, you know, listening to this because you spend a lot of time online, I think there is one area that all of us can relate to right now, which is um, the issue of unfollowing certain people um, who are upsetting you or stressing you out. Uh, That is a digital boundary. And it's one that many of us have had to make recently with JK Rowling. So, you know, I think we often expose ourselves to to not just public figures, but even acquaintances or family members who um, whose content or tweets or posts make us really anxious and we feel the need to call them out. And there are there are relationships where call outs are necessary or even, you know, private conversations are necessary where we can do that work, um, where we can tell someone something they're posting is factually inaccurate or uh, engage with them and ask them to think more deeply. But in some examples, the best thing you can do is just unfollow. And I have had quite a few people in the past few months who I have decided to just let go of, whether they're public figures or like acquaintances, I've decided I can just hit the unfollow button. Yeah, good for you. It's it's hard to do sometimes. And I recommend a resource by the Harry Potter Alliance called, I don't know the exact title, but it's something, it is a Neville Longbottom themed uh, pamphlet about difficult conversations and I recommend finding that resource on their website and reading it through a digital lens as well because 
I I believe it's centered on having in-person conversations with people, but it also applies to navigating our online spaces. So, should we start our activity? Let's start our activity. Okay. Is everyone ready? <laughs> we have a little journaling prompt for you that's going to pop up on the screen if you still have your screen illuminated. And we're going to do a three-minute journaling prompt to the question, what is a digital boundary you can set to prioritize meaningful connection? So I'm going to play a song, which is our theme music for the art life in its entirety, the instrumental version. This is The Stream by Rory. And you can take these three minutes to journal on the question, and then afterwards we would love to read some of your digital boundaries out loud on the show.
finish your thought, gently rest your quill. I have not, I have to confess, I have not been looking at the chat this whole time. What's going on? So we would love to hear from people who are currently at this event live. Um, let us know in the chat what is a digital boundary that you can set to prioritize meaningful connection. Zondra, do you have any new ones since we're waiting for people to type theirs do out? Do I have any new digital boundaries? I, you might not. I, I don't know that I do, but I <laughs> figured I'd ask. Oh my gosh. Well, my friend Kayla and I started an Exodus spreadsheet of all the different social media platforms that we're leaving. And so that's, I've been, I've been going through those one by one and interrogating each platform and seeing what it can, can provide for me. Um, I quit Goodreads first years ago because the, uh, the conversations around assessing the books that are very dear to me was often upsetting and I, I wanted to get out of that critical space. But more recently, tackling all of social media feels like a pretty big one. But I'm noticing that without it, others are are come are falling into place more naturally as well. Like I don't need to set a bedtime for my phone because without that distraction I'm finding myself enjoying playing with my dog and being in my physical space more. Wow, I love that. I love the decision, especially as a writer, to leave Goodreads too. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, so we got one comment from Louisa, who we love so much. Hi, it's good to see you. Uh, Louisa said, um, to stop looping between Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, I will now have a one circuit and then put the phone down. That is so smart. Ooh, one circuit. It's like a, it's like the course you, you tread through Twitter on your way to Facebook and you land on Instagram and then you're done. You've reached the end. And and I think so many of us are just so programmed at this point to be flipping between all of them, like on a constant loop all day. I know I am. Yeah. So I love that boundary for yourself. I love that it's an internal boundary too. It's not something you're communicating with others. It's something you have to be accountable for. That's a great one. Do you want to read one or should I keep going? Um, sure. I, I have to admit, I get kind of overwhelmed reading everything. So uh I'll, uh, do you want to do you want to be our reader in residence? Yes, yes, you can set that boundary. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> and thank you for telling me. I'm happy to do this. Um, Kayla said that Kayla said I thought of three things, and the first one was requesting a phone call as first contact rather than just adding someone on social media. That is so cool. I think that's such a great vibe check too. Like. <laughs> Yeah, You don't always know through someone's social media if you're going to get along uh, or, you know, if they're a, a right person to be in your life. And I think, you know, knowing that you want a phone call with someone first is really smart. It's bold, too. I it's bold. Let's bring that back. You can phone me on um, my landline. Yeah, you can write me a letter and then I'll decide. <laughs> What's number two? Uh, number two was, um, reaching out to people I don't see regularly and ask to do an activity together, like a hike or a bad art night. I love that idea. Bad art night. Sounds like such a fun party. Um, I'm very much like this too, Kayla. I always ask people to, to meet up for a hike. Um, 
rather than trying to catch up with them over social media. That's one of the or text. great things about lockdown is bringing back the walking and hiking uh, as more of a norm when, when indoor spaces are closed. So let's keep that going. And Kayla also said, send more postcards and letters when I'm traveling, rather than just relying on texting to keep in touch. Zandra and I are big fans of snail mail, so we approve. Um, Lori also said uh, that, Lori said, I can collaborate with other people who feel at home on certain social platforms and redistribute the labor. For example, I don't like Instagram, but I know people who do. I have bartered other services in exchange for someone taking over Instagram for my Etsy shop. She does a much better job than I could have, and I get to enjoy her work. She comes out ahead, too. That is, that's so good. I, I think that's a really important conversation, too, especially if you're working on a project or running a business or on some sort of team. Um, certain people do better on different platforms. And that's so important to recognize. I know that I I don't le- really enjoy Twitter, but I do enjoy Instagram. So that's like, I, I, I love the idea of, you know, when collaborating with someone offering that this is the place you thrive and find the place that they thrive and they'll be responsible for that one. And I'm seeing people also say that they're leaving, um, uh, they want to leave like, certain Facebook groups, which I think is great. A lot of comments about, um, you know, purging the people that you follow or have push notifications for. Um, a friend list clean out. I think, you know, now is the time for those kinds of decisions. Just like purging your friends list, purging the groups you're in. Um, yeah, it's a self-protective measure. And then last but not least, I will read... Um, uh, Mari Grace says, I'm setting a boundary on large group social Zoom calls. I'll accept FaceTime calls from my immediate family since I live so far away from them and I enjoy those group calls, blocking and muting people who are causing me anxiety, especially if they are trying to engage with me directly. I love all of these. I love how much ground we've covered. There are more comments to read, but for the for the sake of keeping it in our time boundary, um, we can't read more. But I just want to say thank you so much to everyone who shared. I'm going to be, you know, going back and reading these comments because there's some good ideas that I am learning from. We're learning from all of you. And if anyone didn't want to share yet or comes up with a, a question or something that you want to respond to, now might be a good time that we have a to mention that we have a PO box, we have an email address, and those are our preferred modes of contact. So we've we've slipped a little note into our resources folder that has our contact info. Our email address is theartlife at heroinetraining.com and keep in touch. We would love to hear from you. Yes, from the dawn of this show, we decided to open a P.O. box because we don't want to talk too much over social media comments. We would rather have deep conversations over letter or email. We love long-form communication, and we would love to hear from you that way. So we always end this show by asking, what is the art life? So Grace, what is the art life? The art life is self-protective.
we are, you know, creating our lives is part of our craft and preserving our energy has to be a part of that. So all the best artists I know, I will tell you, have very clear boundaries around their time and their use of digital media. So the art life is self-protective. Zandra, what is the art life? All that's playing in my head is the the art life is live. <laughs> We're here and, and all of you are here and I can I can feel you here. So thanks for joining us in our, our circle. And I look forward to hearing where your art lives go from here. Yeah, we would love to hear from you. We really appreciate all of the amazing comments and we hope that this provided a, a good space to um to have some time to process and slow down in this incredible conference uh, to do some self-reflection and assess what uh, what boundaries you need in your life. So with that, um, Zandra, you're off social media now. Yep. <laughs> and people might want to learn more about you who are listening to this. Where can people find your art? My art is all collected on heroinetraining.com. That's my website. And I might I might just leave it there because that will that will take you to everywhere you need to go. You can email me or join my newsletter or as of this week sign up to receive printed out versions of my essays fulfilling a dream of mine, but heroinetraining.com will get you will will begin the adventure for you. We'll put it that way. Grace, where can people find your art? I am on the social media, um, and I but I love to you know connect with people through email. So you can email our show, The Art Life at heroinetraining.com, to talk more about this subject. I am just I'm so passionate about boundaries, you guys. I hope you can hear it in my voice because you can't see my face. I love talking about this stuff. It's so helpful, and I love seeing my friends assert their own. So you can email us. Um, I also have a Patreon where I post all of my work, whether it's live streams, podcasts, acting work, modeling, blogging, many things. I like to experiment creatively on there. That's patreon.com slash gracegordonofficial. And the link is all on my social media as well, which is gracegordonofficial across platforms. And if you're a, a new listener to The Art Life, welcome. We hope you enjoyed the show and we hope you'll continue along with with our episodes, we can you can find The Art Life on all of the podcast places, so we hope to keep in touch with you there. So from my side of the world, good night. And from my side of the world, good morning. We usually record at the opposite time. I am a night owl. Zandra's an early bird. And uh, this is the first time ever. You did great, Grace. <laughs> I thank you so much. <laughs> it's it's person. been, you know, I hope you all know how much I love you because the fact that I woke up in the morning is is a testament to my love for GLA. Have the best um, morning. Thank you. Have a great day everyone. Such a special time to have our first live show at GLA. This is the art life. A heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson Burns. You can find us online at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, 
Valley Village, California, 91607. Or email us, theartlife at heroinetraining.com. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.